warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. It's the Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here as usual down in what is sunny Kent this morning, way up north in York. It's my dear friend Stephen. Good morning. Morning, mate. Morning. And it's one of those wonderful occasions where someone is meeting us just a little bit in between the pair of us. We don't know where he is. We think he's just being kept in some sort of safe house somewhere. It's... Dear friend Mark from the Good the yeah, Bad and yeah, the Old Podcast. I'm, I am. I'm looking out the bars and it's foggier. It's a bit foggier. Yes. How are we doing, mate? This is quite a regular, a, a welcome regular occurrence, my yes, friend. Yes, welcome. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yes, you uh, tempted me back with yet another, another subject I cannot say no to. I, I was going to say it must have been difficult not to. Not to say uh, <laughs> yes to this one, mate. The, the problem I'm going to envision, envision with this next hour is that you've got three Doctor Who fans in the same virtual room uh, talking about a Doctor Who movie, which could mm. could drag on a wee bit. So let's see how we go. We chose this deliberately for you, Mark, because we know of your love for Doctor Who. Well, Stephen chose this one. Um, and it's it's a bit of an anomaly in the canon of Doctor Who. It's... The first of the big screen adventures that Peter Cushing did um, that totally plays around with all of the, you know, the usual concept of what Doctor Who was at the time. We'll be talking about the differences and why it was made and how it all came about a little bit later on. What we'll do, let's take a quick break. Hopefully I can find a trailer. I'm sure I've just seen a trailer somewhere and we'll be back after this. Hello, darling. Hello. It began just as you see here. Do you know what you have just done? You have transferred us in time and space, and I hadn't even set the controls. Now I don't know where we are. We could be anywhere in the universe, and at any time. Yes, this is how it began. The adventure that started by accident, taking us out of this time and place to a lost planet. Who's there? Come with us into that strange new world. I cannot guarantee your safety, but I can promise you unimagined thrills. You have invaded the world of the Daleks. Every move you make, we can see. They know we've escaped. They're cutting through the door. 
come with us to the petrified forest. Meet the Thals, the blonde giants who have survived the monstrous rule of the Daleks. We must get to the city. They could have scanners here, anything. I'm going back. No, you're not. We'll be killed. We'll never defeat the Daleks. Remember, we are watching you. We can destroy you. It's a trap! Go back! Come! These are the people trapped by the Daleks. Doctor Who, the brilliant science professor. The young man who triggered off this strange journey. The professor's frightened granddaughter. And the youngster who inherited her grandfather's adventurous spirit. <coughs> Doctor Who and the Daleks. Now you can see them in color on the big screen, closer than ever before. So close, you can feel their fire. So thrilling, you must be there. Andre, look behind you! Stop the countdown! The bomb will destroy the planet! Doctor Who and the Daleks, released in the UK the 23rd of August 1965, directed by Gordon Fleming, starring Peter Cushing, Roy Castle, Jenny Linden, Roberta Tovey. The briefest of synopsis here. Stephen, sorry, have you done the synopsis? Uh, I have, actually. Right, Yes. sorry, I was just about to jump in. Go on, mate. (laughs) Right, and it is brief. Um, TV time travel accidentally alights to alien world of warring warriors and peacenik peoples. Alliteration at its best, once again. <laughs> well done, sir. It's certainly better than the synopsis here on IMDb, which I'll read. Yeah. It's an eccentric inventor and his companions travel in his TARDIS to the planet Scaro and battle the evil menace of the Daleks. Now, straight away, any any Doctor Who fans back would be put out by that or, you know, the hackles would go up straight away. An eccentric inventor, chaps. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh, quite a different version of Doctor Who than <laughs> we're all used to, wasn't it, really? The way it was played and written and stuff like that. What do you reckon the reasons was? Because I was watching it last night and I think it was obviously trying to appeal to an international market, so they didn't want to get bogged down with any backstory of what the TV show was all about. So it's, let's just bung Peter Cushing in there, famous face, and we'll just make him human, we'll make him an inventor, and it's just try and keep the same names of the characters. The, you know, Yeah, it, there was it, a bit of that, but there was also, I think it was quite kiddie friendly and i think they were trying to appeal to kids too mm. and on an international way so uh there was like two influences i think there one the one you said and the one uh the drive to make it a bit more kiddie friendly yeah uh, in many respects yeah. um so uh those i think uh, may have been fed into it they also wanted to take the whole well we're teachers investigating a, a dodgy bloke <laughs> well that's <laughs> so gone now made, wasn't it um, yeah that's another 
granddaughter and yeah. um, Ian, a boyfriend, right? So yeah, quite yeah. different. Very quite different. different. It, I mean, Roy Castle was only brought in to be some sort of bumbling, you know, accident-prone stooge throughout the whole Yeah, it was film, a bit normal wisdom in this, wasn't it? Yeah. Very, very. So, usual sort of questions that I ask at this point, guys. I'm, I'm assuming this is not a first-time watch for both of you. No. No. No, no, no way. <laughs> As I said, all, all big Doctor Who fans, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this, but it's certainly the first time I've seen it in a very long time. Um, what about you, chaps? So when was the last time you watched it then? 13. Oh, you can <laughs> pin it, it right the letterbox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, I, 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 I don't think I've, I've watched it this millennia. Um, yeah. To be honest, I think last time I watched it was in 1990-something. Um, wow, okay. It's been that, been that long since I've seen it. Um, I think I've watched it three or four times. And the first time was sometime in the 80s. But yes, I haven't gone back to it um, since then. Not for any massive reason, but it's just... Uh, it's maybe not not as shown uh, regularly on a really, really uh, bank holiday. No, as it maybe maybe you would expect, and so yeah, so I've seen it a, a, a number of times. I've seen it more often than the, than the sequel to it. Oh, Dalek but, Invasion um, of Earth, yeah, yeah. We need to talk yeah. about that at some point as well. But um, obviously, yes, like yourselves, uh, big Doctor Who fan, uh, uh, classic Who as well as the the reignited um, Doctor Who. So, so yeah, I've seen it a number of times before. Um, but not gone back to it recently, as it happens. Okay, I can tell you when my first viewing of this was. This it's vivid memories came back to me last night. So can I, but you go first. And I'm, I'm going to assume that yours was Saturday morning pictures, but mine was Saturday morning TV. No, mine was Saturday morning TV. Yeah, but, so I've got the same memory. It was a Saturday morning then. It wasn't cricket cancelled, was it? As it well? may have been because I'm remembering Whoa. it about sort of John Pertwee era. I'm thinking it was about '74. I think I saw it. Right. Um, and it was definitely a Saturday morning. It may have been an Easter weekend. I'm not too sure. Uh, mm. But it was definitely broadcast on a Saturday. But then. Did you say something to us, Mark, the other week that you think it may have been shown at Saturday morning pictures at some point as well? No, I don't think I said that. I I don't didn't see it on Saturday morning uh, pictures. Right. I saw it uh, because I was watching. There was nothing on the TV at all. Mm. I remember that. I think Sally James was on ITV or something, but there wasn't <laughs> yeah. much worth watching. Yeah, and mm. I flipped over bored, uh, and then they came on and it uh, said, "Ah, oh, the cricket's been cancelled because of the rain." So yeah, probably an Easter. And we showing Doctor in the Dalit. So I. It's one of my happiest memories as a kid. It's one of those things like I was so happy <laughs> that Doctor Who was on instead of boring old cricket. And it's strange um, the way we have memories like that. Yeah. that we can pinpoint the day that we watched something nearly yeah, 50 yeah. years ago. Incredible. I just remember being so happy, you know, when you're a kid. <laughs> it's Christmas, birthdays, and sort of something like where you just come across something great that you did, you know. And this was one of mine, Doctor Who and the Daleks on a Saturday morning. Brilliant. We're talking about being happy. I mean, what's your feelings, the pair of you, towards this movie, being fans of Doctor Who and classic Doctor Who in particular? Does, does this sit well with you? Because... You know, we'd, we'd, we'll try to examine why it was made, but is is it too much? Is it is it just does it not does it rile you a bit that it's not quite right? You know, or it could have been done slightly differently, or 
Why wasn't William Hartnell playing? Well, he was probably very ill at this point, but... Oh, no, mm. he wouldn't have been, would he? No, he was still going, wasn't he, 64? Apparently, he was a bit annoyed about not being cast in it, so... There we go, yeah. So... Mm. Um, I think it has pro- severe problems. Uh, <laughs> actually, um, I think the way the Doctor is written is just completely wrong because he's kind of uh, a bumble. It's a bit like um, Watson in the in the uh, <laughs> in the, in the um, Rathbone yeah. Holmes and Watson. It's a bit like that. And, and to me, the little girl seems to solve stuff. That, that was the bit he doesn't. Mm, it, to me, Cushing plays it. It's quite a defeatist attitude throughout. Oh, no, what can we do? What can we do? Whereas Hartnell would have been, I know what yeah. we're going to do. Yeah. Do you agree with that, so Stephen? it's very I mean, non-doctor, wasn't it? Very yeah. non-doctor. Stephen, how familiar are you with the Hartnell stuff? Because I know you've got your certain eras that you dip into of the classic stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as, as familiar because, mm. um, obviously, as time went on, there were certain bits of it that weren't shown as frequently and, and were missed, and so I was... Sort of seeing it when it was Hartnell era was sort of repeated, um, in a certain way, but not as much as it maybe was at one point because mm. of the fact that you know Classic Who was still running and they had new episodes with the newest Doctor. Um, when I first came into to Doctor Who, and as far as the film goes, yes, you look at it and you, as a as a fan, well, I do as a fan and say. Why didn't they just do it properly? Um, <laughs> yeah. It would have been better for it being properly. But it's got a, it's got a camp, and and charm to it. And it's also, it, it kind of rubbish in a likable way. <laughs> uh, um, that that you don't end up. I mean, I don't end up hating it. I mean, no. I, you know, yes, there are reasons why they decided to do what they did with it and take away from what was classic. Who is a shame but i find it more entertaining and amusing for for what it ends up being rather than hating it um despite the fact i could sit there and, and say you know oh this isn't right and that isn't right and you know the only thing it, it, it <laughs> the only thing i think it does it does right that the uh, the classic series didn't so much was is the um the opening of the tardis stars um which uh, you know, throughout a lot of uh, a lot of Doctor Who, the, 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 it was completely ignored that there's a sign on the uh, the TARDIS door saying "Pull to open." Yes. Um, and it actually gets referenced in one of the more modern Doctor Who's. I think it's the one where it's, it's the TARDIS becomes a um, Saran Jones, where she actually becomes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and she makes some comment about you know. You can't you, you can't even follow the the instructions on my door that says pull to open. You always push or whatever, um, and it is it's always been there, written on the door all the way through Doctor Who, but nobody's ever you know. But um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's full of flaws from the canon of Doctor Who, absolutely. But I just I don't mind in a massive way. I just yeah. see it as being separate, so I I just push it away really and say oh it's it's not it's not Doctor Who in that way. It's just. It's, an it's a weird thing, little artifact in the mm. Doctor Who canon, isn't it? Really, it does a few things right as well, which means I don't, I don't hate it either. I, yeah. I quite like, you know, I own it and I'll watch it again at some point. But it is kind of deeply flawed, and if you ignore that, there's some good, good in it as well. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm wondering what the real diehard Whovians do think of this movie. I think they're probably pretty similar to us that they just accept it for what it is and enjoy it. As as an oddity, 
you know, a little quirky part of the history of the early Dalek mania, which we need to talk about that that period, that year that went absolutely bonkers with Daleks. And for me, it's it's just colourful as well from for a series that was so starved of colour for the first whatever it was nine no seven eight years wasn't it of of its of its life yeah Pertwee first one nineteen seventy wasn't it season of Pertwee it became colour was it no Spearhead from Space was in colour the first episode nineteen seventy yeah so you know about seven years we were starved of seeing our favourite character in colour and the Daleks themselves in colour. and again, they've taken liberties with the Daleks and the design of those. You know, I'd, n- never a big fan of the movie version of the Daleks. But then again, I don't know. I, I quite like the chunkier aspect of them. I'm getting really. I, geeky li- I like these. I have to say, mm. I like. I like the whole color. I think they one one thing they did, and they did a few things well in this. Um, was the Daleks? I mm. think the Daleks look really good. Um, personally, um. Uh, so I like I like it because of that. I like the sequel as well. <laughs> I think the coloration the coloration of the Daleks I think was something that was expanded a bit more out in the 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 new era. Who I think they went and and revisited that um, for, for maybe a callback consciously to this, or maybe it was just happen happens to tie in. Um, but I, I yeah I think the you know it it does kind of almost start off the whole joke about how limited the Daleks are, this menace that they're, you know, the classic joke about, you know, you can get away from a Dalek just by a set of stairs um, <laughs> up to up to the up to the Mark Fours where they could levitate. But um, see, the, geek, um, geek, sorry, sorry, you've you've just actually <laughs> named what version of the Dalek could fly up the stairs. Well done. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, actually, it might be Mark Five. Now, actually, but, um, I know, the, I know um, what story it was as well, but I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, this with with the you know basically moving around like dodgem cars on magnets. Um, they're even uh, more limited, uh, aren't they? That's the thing. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and they're, they're this great, great menace. Um, obviously, as a um, modelled, you know, on the idea of, of um, the menace of the, of the Nazis being about conquering and exterminating mm. everybody else and etc. But um, yeah, the the fact that you know it, it takes some. Some chocolate spun, you know, chocolate pudding, <laughs> and a, and a and a plastic um, cape and, and a plastic cape, yeah, to to to, to beat them. And the fact that you know you can you can grab hold of them and spin them round and to face each other to shoot each other, rather than the fact that they've actually got uh, more control over their movement themselves. It, it um, they're, they're not quite as menacing uh, as they are in a lot of the TV series. I don't think, and, and I don't know whether that was conscious as well. Um, to you know, to make it that a less a less capable doctor, like you've already pointed out, um, was able to defeat this lesser menace than what he maybe wouldn't have been able to do if they'd been like in the TV series. Um, but yeah, the I think the the, the Daleks that needed for the actual film, even if they're not the Daleks that were needed for the TV series. Yeah, works. Yeah, I have to say that I watched the original um, show as well this week, just mm. to sort of contra- contrast it and stuff. And what in that too, they're kind of fighting with the Daleks and the Daleks are quite ineffectual. And they kind of step back massively massively from that uh, in any other subsequent Dalek adventure. You just didn't touch a Dalek, right? <laughs> yeah, um, you couldn't get near So it, it yeah. overcame that. 
you know, well, Daleks, you just grab them and throw them down the stairs. It's fine, you know. Um, uh, they kind of got rid of that aspect in the TV show too. Uh, but yeah, that was a flaw in the original story, I think. Um, so, you know, in retrospect. Yeah, talking, well. of, talking of the original that this is based on, it's the second story, isn't it, after the um, the caveman four-parter. Yeah. And this is seven parts, and we don't get introduced to the Dalek until that classic scene where you see the plunger and, you know, approaching Barbara. It's episode two or whatever it might have yeah. yeah. Now, bearing in mind, they've condensed a seven-part TV show, which must have been running for, what, nearly three hours of story, into less than 90 minutes. I think it benefits from that, Mark. You having seen it quite recently. Yeah, yeah, There's, there's some very long there are, There's a lot of padding. Yeah. The whole thing with the tunnels, which they contracted into about three or four minutes into mm. the, in the film, was almost a whole episode. Yes, that, um, that was or even longer than that, actually. Uh, stuff like that. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, I think it was a good... I think it's 82 minutes was re- filled reasonably. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel particularly padded, whereas the TV show did. However, there was more, obviously, dramatic development, you know, of the characters and the whole, you know, we're pacifists line was a bit longer in the TV version yeah. than in this as well. Yeah. Um, just, it was interesting, this one, though. I always thought the Thals were kind of inspirational... Probably not, but they kind of remind me of some Star Trek episodes that came later. It was kind of, you know, space hippies. Kind of Do you know episodes. what my first thought was where the leader of the Thals turns up in TARDIS because Susan has gone back to get the medicine? It's the door. And we were talking off air just a minute ago about 1990s. Very early Julian Clary standing there. <laughs> Hello. It, that's the voice I was expecting. <laughs> yes. And it's all to do with colour and, and visuals, isn't it, for the big screen? They've got to be bold, they've got to be bright. I mean, I think if I remember in the original, Mark, you've seen it more recently than me, they wear these huge great plastic capes and like the blonde hair is prevalent throughout every single one of them and the heavy makeup. Yeah, some of the outfits are bizarre. I mean, some of the women are wearing what looks like bunny girl outfits (laughs) with a sort of hanging um, thing over them so you can't see their bottoms. You know, (laughs) a bit of dignity. But they're essentially wearing quite tight bodices. And it's kind of odd. Yeah. In the TV one, that is. (laughs) Stephen, when was that? That was very Star Trek. I mean, a lot of the, the, the... From the original series, Star Trek, obviously the 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 fashions were just uh, out there, experimental '60s fashions um, applied to aliens, and particularly with the sexualization and making sure you showed the the women's bodies as much as you were able to do on TV was something that was seemed to be the way to do it. As far as portraying female aliens, they were they were meant to be uh, have an allure to them um, to take away from the threat. Of what they could be, um, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. to be fair, Doctor Who sidestepped all of that pretty much, didn't it? Until maybe Leela, but even that wasn't really true. Yeah, true. I mean, the Enterprise uniform for the women just did consist of the shortest mini skirt ever, really, didn't it? That was it. Um, Stephen, how familiar are the original TV version of this story, mate? Uh, I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it in its entirety once. Yeah. Um, so and that's about it. So I'm, you know, I'm aware of it more academically. I think rather than than Official purely remembering seeing it on, you know, TV experience. Okay. 
Um, what you got to remember at this time, and I did a little bit on this for Rainbow Valley when I was covering 1964 recently. A really good show, that is. I'd like to get a plug in wherever I can, mate, and, and any endorsement from you is always welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> The 1964 episode sort of focused about 10 minutes on the thing that Mark has touched upon already, which was Dalek mania. There was three manias that hit Britain about this time. There was Bond mania, Beatle mania and Dalek mania all around 1963-64. And basically what happened, this was broadcast, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, it was over the Christmas, wasn't it? Because it started on November, late November. And the Dalek yeah. story progressed over the Christmas into the January of the new year. Um, and they proved to be so popular, a villain or as a character of a TV series, that they demanded more. The public demanded more. So that was when Dalek Invasion of Earth was scripted and broadcast yeah. autumn 64, I'm thinking, off the top of my head here. It was fairly early <laughs> in season two, wasn't it? Yeah. Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yeah. So by then... Um, you know, there was photo shoots of Daleks going across Westminster Bridge to promote the second story. There was donations of Dalek props to Bernardo's homes and photo shoots and photo opportunities of all these. Daleks were opening village fates. You know, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a bit like... Mark will remember this, Steve, and unfortunately you may not. It, uh, the village fates in the 70s were opened by people dressed as Wombles. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I, know, I, I remember from the early 80s that yeah. was still, still carrying that <laughs> way, yeah. Well, the 60s, they were being opened by Daleks. But even, you know, Hartnell and, and all those guys would be there doing the village fates in costume. And, and it, it's difficult for us that weren't really there at the time to, to imagine how big these things were. You know, we're talking lunchboxes, T-shirts, Anything and everything. The D- Dalek board games. I remember that. Does anyone remember the Dalek board game? They're the little plastic Daleks with the marbles weighting them down. Then they m- moved around a track. Yeah, I remember those. I think I had a few plastic Daleks. Well, I definitely had some plastic Daleks myself yeah. uh, as well. You know, you could buy the models and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people love Daleks. It, it was just incredible. It was huge. It was it was a mania. Um, so this movie, again, was was possibly built to capitalize on that you know we've got to get this big screen movie out we've got to and, and to make it more international as well because i think terry nation wanted to use this as a kickstart for a a separate dalek series didn't he or something am i right there guys i'm I maybe i wrong. don't remember anything about that mm. i remember he's fairly protective wasn't he of daleks uh certainly after the classic era who disappeared yeah um but yeah, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I, I think I read somewhere because there was the comics, wasn't there, that was, and, the, and the cartoon strips, and they had the story of the Dalek Empire, and, and, and I think he wanted to develop something like that. I may be wrong. I may have read that somewhere wrongly in the past, but it was huge. And this is, what is this? This is 65. So this was made after the Dalek yeah, Mania this peak. is cash, kind of cashing in. In you know what? Back then, you couldn't just rewatch stuff, you know, or no. find copy. It wasn't easy. So, in the same way, Quite a Mass movie was cashing in on the success of the Quite a Mass TV show. Mm. This was cashing in somewhat on the success. Uh, well, Dalek Mania, right? Dalek yeah, Mania. Exactly. Um, 
and it's a similar thing because yeah, I imagine this grows quite well uh, when it in, in the UK anyway. Um, I don't know. I didn't check the figures uh, because it was that reminiscence. Now it may have been a bit late. You know, Dalek Mania may have faded by the time this came out, but oh, you know, it got a sequel as well. So it, it was one of the top ten UK films of the year. Wow! There you um, go. So. Um, so they got it out of that cashier, and I think uh, I remember reading the, some reference before that they um, they try, trying to promote the film at, at the Cannes Film Festival, and they had Daleks there, like you're saying about them going across Westminster Bridge. Mm. They had them there, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to. It was uh, who was it who, who did the French surrender? No, well, probably. <laughs> oh, it was um, at Cannes. There was uh, John Lennon was there. And he, for some reason, that he was um, either commented on or was seen photographed um, looking at the Daleks. Um, so there's a, a, a Beatles connection there, um, mm. Beatlemania and, and Dalek mania. Um, you just needed Sean Connery to wander around. I was going to say, was there a Bond film, the, the, the Thunderball triple. or something? Was that 65? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thunderball was 64. 65, 65, 65. There you go. All, th- all three meeting together. Can you imagine that in the same room? Been. Yeah. <laughs> there was something on Twitter about that photo, actually. There's a photo of John Lennon with that Dalek. I saw it in the week. And the guy that made the Dalek Mania documentary, which is a very good documentary documenting that whole period in time, he said he'd only had a crop version of the photo and somebody had found a full-size version of that photo recently. And it was literally on Twitter a couple of days ago by coincidence. What we're going to do, let's take a wander up to the Village Hall of Fame. I don't think there's going to be many people waiting to get in this group. But Stephen's got his keys ready. Let's go and take a look inside. Okay, Stephen, Village Hall of Fame this week, mate. You've got quite a big cast list to work with looking down IMDb, but how many of them are waiting in the wings or actually being inducted this week? Well, uh, considering how many people there are in, in this, not many. Okay. Um, so we, but we do, thankfully, have um, four people who are making their second appearances on the uh, mm-hmm. Real Britannia. So um, we have Royal Ca- Roy Castle. Um, mm-hmm. Previously in the plank, Michael Coles, who plays the um, the, the leader of of the um, the Thals when they go off through the caves, mm-hmm. um, he was previously in Sweeney, uh, the movie. Excellent. Um, yeah, we have Mick Dillon, um, who I believe was playing one of the Daleks. Um, <laughs> he was in How I Won the War, and then of course we've got Roberta Tovey, mm. who was in The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. Um, she was, yeah. So, um, so that that's the second appearances, and we have one person who is making their third appearance, and therefore getting into the Village Hall of Fame. Is it Peter Cushing? It is Peter Cushing. <laughs> finally, yeah. Wow. Uh, amazingly, we've done no hammer yet, and he still managed to get in there. So he was previously in Lolita, and he was also in Violent Playground. I forgot he was in Lolita. I forgot mm. all about I that. don't even remember him in Lolita yeah. at all. Who did he play in Lolita, mate? I can't remember. He wasn't the vic- He was the vicar in Violent Playground, wasn't he? Uh, he think. was, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, in Lolita, I... I um, can't remember. Uh, I, 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 bel- 
Antonio don't worry, don't worry. His appearance was. I'm sure it wasn't one of those where we decided he counted because he was on screen. They were they were watching a hammer, <laughs> hammer, um, <laughs> uh, Dracula or something. Um, so yes, anyway, he he thankfully does finally get in there, which is great considering his stature within um, our own affections um, yes. and, and British cinema as well. Should have been in a long, long time before this, mate, as we say. Yeah. But as we know, it's it's not the big names that, that get in there first. It's the uh, Cyril Chamberlains and <laughs> and such like. And Victor Harrington. Now, you usually do actors and directors, right? Um, now, this was written by Milton Sabotsky, uh, and I reckon he might appear in other... F- stuff in the future too but i don't know if you include writers in there we, we do if they're quite notable if there's someone that we think has contributed something quite major to the british film industry like if we were talking composers we'd always include john barry okay um milton sabotsky i don't know i mean look i looked at the director gordon fleming apart from the second of the doctor who movies didn't do anything of any great note uh, either before or after this. But there so. is a connection with Quatermass. There's a really good book out there about Quatermass. Yeah, really no, that. If only we knew who wrote it, eh? <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, Gordon Fleming is the father of Jason Fleming, who oh. played Quatermass, one of the actors who played Quatermass in the, I think it was Channel 4 live version mm. of re- redo of the Quatermass experience. And I thought it was an excellent Quatermass actually, Joseph Fleming. Didn't I've always liked see Jason that verse. Jason Fleming, he's the guy that's in like Lockstock and all of those things. Lockstock, isn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's in some of the Marvel and the X-Men films as yeah. I can't remember which character, the red one who can change form or, or zap around. I can't remember. But he, he's, <laughs> he's pretty good, but he, his career's not gone as I was expecting personally but yeah so jason fleming did play uh quatermass so there's you know there's always this quatermass doctor who thing going on in there really yeah just well, i was hoping i was hoping that roberta tovey did actually um she was actually the the mother of russell tovey but i wondered up, that i wondered uh, if there was because the name's not very you know not a massively popular yeah. name so i thought oh is she or the auntie or something other no no connection oh, <laughs> yeah absolutely especially since he's um, appeared in in the modern Doctor Who as a um, as a character, so it would have been a shame and did not have you know yeah sort of missed that link unfortunately. Talking of like John Barry and composers and sort of you know backroom boys and staff you know and crew and that one of the first names that come up in the credits at the beginning it said electronic music by Barry Gray. Now am I right? And I'm sure this is the guy that did things like the Joe Ninety theme and the stuff of the Super Marionation stuff. Yeah. Jerry yeah, Anderson, he did, didn't he? That's him, isn't it? And if you yeah. you listen to some of the electronic sort of noises in the background, it sounds very Joe Ninety, very Stingray type special effects, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, uh, and that is one of the pluses of the film for me. Actually, the music mm. and the, the sound design. Actually, I think it works quite well. Apart from the weird opening, well, no, I quite like it, but it's just so weird. The weird opening jazzy score which yeah. sounds a bit like strip club music it's so weird <laughs> i wouldn't know <laughs> well i've heard i mean yeah. um, i could i'll vouch for it that's what you strip off too anyway so. <laughs> yeah i'll vouch for it lads don't worry <laughs> uh, so yeah so barry gray did like the the electronic the atmospheric type music i've just seen some trivia and some goofs and stuff now listen to this guys talking about that design of the Dalek and thinking back now I can certainly see this and I know Mark will Mark do you remember the Hartnell 
story that went about 10 episodes with the Daleks called The Chase. Yes. And they end yes, up, you know, in Frankenstein's castle that. and all yes. of these different places, don't yeah. they? Uh, the BBC purchased the Dalek props and used them in that series, in that actual story. But the chase was broadcast before the release of the movie, so they were seen on the TV before they were seen on the big screen. Amazing. Yep. They were supposed to have flamethrowers, but this was vetoed. Basically, they said, because we couldn't afford to add a, a ray to the film, he says, this is Gordon Fleming, um, and it wouldn't have been good enough just to have people to fall down. We wanted something that could be seen. But then Milton Sabotsky said, we were going to have flames, but the censor, John Trevelyan, thought the children would be frightened of fire. So we went to the other extreme and armed them with fire extinguishers. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is fine. I think <laughs> it's fine. Um, gas, yeah, gas, what's it? Presumably a projectile weapon, but who knows? I could not, not work it out. I mean, they fly, they fire extinguishers each other and then explode, right? So exactly, exactly. One of the things that bugged me, the Daleks' lights were just flashing on and off all the way through, not in response to their voice. Yes, yeah, that is a, a, a pedant, a pedant thing that got me as well, um, and I think that's something that is has been noted as a comment, a, a goof or whatever this film. Um, but yeah, it did tickle, you know, yeah, not, that didn't in a good way. Me. I, I didn't notice it. I've got to be honest, I didn't notice it. I'm going to have to go back and watch now. Well, now it's going to annoy me. I just well, know do, it. do you know the thing that annoyed me most that um, Roy Castle kept referring to Peter Cushing as Doctor Who? Yes. That there was two two things like that that annoyed me: the fact he kept calling Doctor Who, and the fact they kept calling the Tardis tar- Tardis Tardis, yeah, like it was like Titanic or something. <laughs> it's the Tardis, and, you know. Um, there was those two. Yeah, my favourite, my favourite production error stroke gaff. There is a staircase next to the Daleks' water supply pipe, as they cannot use stairs. This is a production design error. It says. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no matter what we think, guys, it is a lot of fun. This movie, though, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it's very kiddie. Um, and the, you know, as I said, it's, the little girl seemed to solve more problems than anyone else, really. Uh, but she is quite a good actress. Yeah, you know, she's a good actress, and it kind of works. Um, I think she had a financial incentive given to her to get things done in one take. Or wasn't she given like a shilling or something every time she got something right or or a penny or oh, something? Nice. Yeah, and then and then on the the sequel they decided not to do that because it was costing them too much. <laughs> she was that good oh, an well, actress. I'll have to go back watch the sequel and see if she's worse or something. Because <laughs> she um, she crops up in a lot of the children's film foundation stuff around this era as yeah, well. Yeah. Just one of those unfortunate actresses that was just destined to be a child actress. As far as I know, I don't think she went on to anything as an adult. So. She mainly did, uh, as far as I'm, all, I remember, yeah, it was her, I think. She mainly went on to doing lots of these sort of sitcoms that had um, Molly Sugden in them and, oh, and, right. like that. And, and, you know, one appearance in Casualty and then, yeah. you know, that that kind of stuff. She sort of just became a, a background jobbing actress, I think, possibly because of quite a lot of them, unfortunately, got, they, they end up at a certain point and created the young actresses they had families and so the acting was something they did on the side they were expected to you know still the the gender roles of the the time so um yeah so she kept her hand in up until i think the late 80s i think doing stuff oh, but, um, there you go. So but no it wasn't it wasn't anything major she didn't you know go on to a film career or, or anything unfortunately despite her talent mm. 
uh, obviously Peter Cushing continued his you know his run of stardom for many years you know with mainly the Hammer stuff and you know, Sherlock Holmes and bits and pieces he'd done previously so you know he was he was guaranteed to continue in the acting yeah, career. Roy I Castle. mean can you imagine this film if he'd have played it like he plays I don't know Sherlock Holmes or um, um, uh, Frankenstein or yeah. Van Helsing it would have been entirely different wouldn't it? Yeah it's and ju- it's probably a- more Doctor Who than we you know than, than he plays him here. Yeah it's, it's just like you said it's the doddering old inventor that's that's how he's he's playing this right from the start and just doesn't have the control over the situation that the granddaughter seems to have or that William Hartnell would have had in the TV series I mean we're being picky here I mean it's just mm-hmm. as Who fans you know we we're allowed to be a little bit but uh, as as a form of entertainment, there's nothing wrong with this. This is a Saturday morning pictures flick. This no, is... no, and and oh, on the right. subject of Peter Cushing, I, I did read somewhere a while back that he was actually considered and perhaps offered Doctor Who before William Hartnell was, but wow. turned it down, and and apparently in in later years did did regret it. But mm. I think Hartnell did a better better job for what was needed. As to get who started, then perhaps Peter Cushing would have done if he played it like this. I don't yeah. know if oh, it would yeah. have taken taken if it had been this more doddering Persona one. To be perfectly thing. honest, yeah. it's really it's really odd, isn't it, the William Hartnell one? Because it does totally work, and his characterisation does totally work as the first uh, um, version of the Doctor. But the, they never really vis- revisited that vibe at all mm. maybe peter capaldi but initially but they've always been quite different you know characters um yeah. from william william hartnell stands alone almost as like um you know his version of the you know you can see a bit of i don't know matt smith in um Troughton. patrick Troughton and yeah john pertwee and and, and um john pertwee's capaldi uh, i think that's how i yeah, always yeah but hartnell's very distinct I think they, uh, they, they made a conscious effort to move away from the more serious uh, serious old man and to, to bring the age down a bit and to make him more wacky mm. to re- with the re- each reinvention, almost in a, a David Bowie reinvention way. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's why they never returned, because it was like going backwards towards something that is more straightforward and, and doesn't have the... You know, the idiosyncrasies was a, a difficulty, and I think the only one that was maybe stripped back in, in that way was Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, um, which, pick, you know, yes, yes. which, you know, obviously didn't get expanded out, but there was a little bit of... He was a bit bit irascible, really, in, in some ways, was um, Christopher Eccleston underneath the characterization of just being a, a bit of a mad northerner type thing that he, it was played. But and I, I think they consciously decided not to go back to this, you know... Yeah. Old man, old man. They wanted to try and pull it in, and especially I think with the the, the younger actors trying to to bring that in as well, because um, they had quite a long run of of you know being younger people playing the role really. Well, per- yeah, per- who, were more, more, per- who were more of the zeitgeist at the time as mm. well. I think. Was was something they tended to do. Pertwee was designed um, specifically to be the action doctor, wasn't he? Because they brought in 
Bessie the car and, you know, unit and all of that sort of unit. thing. And it was kind of a bit Adam Adamant, wasn't he? It was the yeah. ITC sort of stuff, wasn't it, mate? It yes. Was, it was reflecting yes. no sort of yeah. serial. So he had to compete with the champions and Danger Man and all of those, Jason King, you know, all of those guys that were about at the time. Yeah. And to, and to bring it into budget, they had to sort of restrict him to Earth, didn't they? That was it. They yeah. That and up. it works, yeah. though. That that first yeah, couple of seasons, I, my favourite seasons of Doctor Who ever. We're getting yeah, geeky. Totally We're getting geeky. Uh, <laughs> just want to go back to Eccleston briefly. I do think there's one episode with Eccleston, Dalek, the one where he's sort of super angry. He's mm. properly ch- kind of channeling some of the anger that Hartnell sometimes exhibited too. So that was kind of an interesting, you know, uh, things are circular. When I saw it, I was thinking, that feels like a bit like some of Hartnell's stuff. Yes, um, that's a very good episode. But even darker, it? even darker actually. Yeah, it's a very good episode because it's the one where we learn, or that we sort of get more information on the fact that the Time Lords have all gone, the Daleks have all gone. It's just these two alone. Yeah, still uh, angry, still angry, and he's still, you know, yeah, it's never going to go away. It's as I say, it's an oddity in the Doctor Who canon, but it's a welcome oddity, I think. It's it's a nice bit of colour in the 60s that we didn't have uh, a bit of adventure a bit of comedy which may not be as welcome to the real diehard fans you know but hey, it is what it is at the end of the day did we enjoy it watching it this time around guys after so many so many years yes yes yeah, yeah definitely I felt there was I mean watching them both together I could see the weakness some of the weaknesses in the film mm-hmm. were from the the original story you know stuff like Barbara is really not used in either uh, right. much. Mm-hmm. She could have not been there, really. Um, whereas Susan and Ian do sort of do things in the plot, as does the Doctor. See, uh, but man, some of the some of the shots were really good. Actually, yeah, I was really impressed. There was a the bit when the thousands are creeping through the forest towards the lights of the Daleks, mm. shot from behind, and the tracker camera tracking behind them. It was really, really cool. Could have been Italian sort of sci-fi. Look it, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it just looked really nice. Yeah, it was, it was. This whole movie had Shepperton Studios written all over it, though, didn't it? It was just <laughs> studio Indeed. bound. Uh, but the color palette reminded me a lot of the, there's an Italian film called Planet of the Vampires, which mm. is a bit Star Trekky too, and it kind of reminded me of that. And I was wondering if Planet of the Vampires was kind of riffing on the. I don't know Ooh, which came first though. There we go. Actually, yeah. um, I think they might have been both sixty five. Actually, there we go. Uh, so maybe there was just something in that film stock. Possibly. And I quite like the film stock too. Yeah, they had a specific. It was, it was filmed in supervision or something. I can't remember. It said there was a specific. Um, you know, normally when it comes up in the credits, it said filmed in Panavision, filmed in Vistavision, whatever. There was something. It was one I didn't recognise. I'm going to have to go back and check the opening credits to find out exactly what it was. I just looked up Planet of Empires 65 too, but you watch it and it looks very similar. If you watch a little clip of it, you'll see it looks quite similar colour palette to this. Wow. It's kind of weird. Right, that's another one added to the list. Not for this <laughs> not for this show, though, so we'll have to have a look at that one. Guys, we're going to have to start winding this up a wee bit. I'm going to take a little break now because what I want to do is when we come back, Mark, I've... As always, totally enjoyed you being here for the last 45 minutes or so. Can you come back again, mate? Yes, I certainly can. Right, if that's the case, is it mine to choose, Stephen? I think it is. Uh, My recollection is, yes, it's your turn. I've got an idea. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. (laughs) 
Okay, chaps, that was Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965. Now, Mark has very kindly agreed to come back. So what we're going to do, it's my turn because Stephen selected that one. Mark chose the previous one. I'm going to stick with 1965. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. This was an Amicus production, wasn't it? It was. Right. Uh, Oh, no, sorry. It was written by Milton Tobotsky. Who's... Um... I, so I always think it's Amicus. It's right. got different. Oh no, it is. It was. Uh, it was Amicus, but they used a different name, even though it was Amicus. Okay. And, and they just they just something else beginning with A that was four letters rather than rather than full Amicus name, but it was Amicus. Right. Yeah. In 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 you know in heart in essence it was an Amicus production. We've made a conscious effort to avoid Hammer films because we're doing a real special chronological series on the Hammer movies later this year. And horror movies are something we only tend to drift towards about Halloween. I'm going to write that wrong immediately next time Mark's with us. By choosing an Amicus production from 1965, which was written by Milton Sabotsky, starring Peter Cushing, Roy Castle. It's one of those great portmanteau ones. Mark is going to be fully aware of it. We're going to do Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Are we okay as, with that? Yeah. A bit of jazz in it, too. So, you know. <laughs> I think Kenny Lynch does some music, doesn't he, in this one as well? And yeah, I, I haven't seen it all since I was a young teenager. So, Stephen, any any memories of this one, or are we going in blind? Uh, I think I'm going in blind. I'm aware of it because obviously I've seen it on, on lists of films mm. for people's cast lists and stuff. But. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Okay, this is the one on the train, Mark, isn't it? Uh, is it? I think it's the one on the train. He's got the tarot cards. It's that one. Uh, this... Oh, yes, you're right. You are mm. right, yes. There's several sort of uh, bookending stories, but that one's with the train. Yeah, and Peter Cushing's the card reader, right? Exactly. So it'll be interesting. It's the same year. It's a couple of the same cast. It's the same screenplay. Oh, sorry, the same screenwriter. Let's give it a go, shall we? Let's do a bit of, bit of horror, a bit of chills. For a change, yeah? Sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay, Mark, before we let you drift off, my friend, where can people listen to you? Tell us all about your podcast. I heard you had a very interesting guest recently talking about Please Sir. Oh, yeah, I had an awesome... This old (laughs) bloke came on and talked about Please Sir (laughs) (laughs) and the Pension Gang, and uh, I loved it, actually. Yeah, so Scott was on recently. So you can find all my stuff under www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com. Now, there are several running ones, uh, but my most common one is my main podcast, (laughs) which usually covers films, but we do vary sometimes. Um, And... And I also have a sort of sub-podcast that's kind of live at the moment called Anthologic, which covers anthology TVs. So, you know, it kind of ties up with the Amicus Anthology movies. So so I cover stuff like, you know, The Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, that sort of thing in that one. So, But the good, www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com is where you'll find me. Fantastic. Stephen, thank you again. I don't thank you enough for your sterling efforts in the Village Hall of Fame, mate, because it's quite a hefty task going through those cast lists every week. Thank you, mate. It's it's become a bigger thing than anybody ever imagined, but um, no, I'm glad to contribute since you uh, do a lot of heavy lifting um, on this podcast. Oh, I, that I feel like I am I am doing something to address the balance. Do appreciate it, um, and I've just looked at the cast list for Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, and you're going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> There's there is literally a million people in this movie, honestly. 
<laughs> because it's five separate stories. So good luck with that one. Castle again. Oh, there's a few. There's a few. Peter Cushing is definitely well. That'd be his fault. But, uh, I, I could give you a hand with it if I could. So. <laughs> You can't share a spreadsheet. It we could. There is a way. Well, maybe you could. Oh, yeah. No, let, <laughs> let him do some of the lifting for a change, mate. Yeah, let me do something, yeah. <laughs> it was a Pauline Chamberlain, but not not Sewell. Oh, they're related, mate. They're bound to be. We'll work Should it out. Be. Anyway, listen, we've got that to look forward to probably in a couple of months' time before we get together again. Stephen, Mark, thank you once again, guys. This has been Real Britannia. I've been Scott. We'll see you all very soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Hand up, sir.